Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another edition of the Skating Penguin Network Mailbag here. I am back. I have returned. I am Gareth Behanna. Alongside me are my fellow co-hosts, Snail and Robbie Noggle. So they will not go this adventure alone. And I will be here to defend myself against any questionable takes that both of them may have when I am absent. But I am here uh, to answer some more of your questions that you submitted to the Skating Penguin Network Twitter account at Penguins FFSN. Uh, Robbie, as always, you'll take question number one. Snail will take question number two, and we will rotate from there. Let's get this show on the road. Question number one comes from Kim Larson. Robbie, what do you think about the Sergei Zubov to the Dallas Stars for Kevin Hatcher trade? I personally think it was one of the worst trades the Penguins ever made. Well, Kim, I have to agree with you on this take. And it's a trade that kind of um, doesn't get talked a lot about in Penguins history. When we talk about even bad trades, uh, Sergei Zubov is a Hall of Famer. Uh, he was well on his way to being in the Hall of Fame before he came to Pittsburgh and became a Hall of Famer uh, long after he left. He went to Dallas. He won a cup with the Stars. Uh, Kevin Hatcher was a fine defenseman. He was not Sergei Zubov. And there are stories about this trade. It happened right around the draft uh, when it did uh, happen, right around the draft. And the Stars actually did not believe it. Uh, they actually thought the original offer was for Kevin's brother, Darian, who was a much more um, prolific defense, but not the offensive threat that Sergei Zubov was, but a much better overall defenseman than Kevin Hatcher was. And when it came came about that it was actually for Kevin Hatcher, Dallas basically rushed to the phones to get this trade done. An all-time bad trade by the Penguins. Um, again, it, it's right up there with the Marcus Naslin trade. What could have been if um, Sergei Zubov spent more than just a single solitary season in Pittsburgh? Um, he, again, he's an all-time great in the Hall of Fame. Um, would have been awesome to have him play with that kind of era of Penguins, um, kind of the late Yager return of Mario. Again, I don't think he stays forever, but getting more than one season out of him would have been ex an extremely nice thing to have. But unfortunately, uh, they did trade him away to the Dallas Stars for Kevin Hatcher. And it is absolutely one of the worst trades in Penguins history. Robbie, if I could interject quickly for maybe some of our like younger listeners, if we have younger listeners, that's just me going out on a limb assuming. But uh, what is there like more of like a modern day trade that you could like assimilate this to? Is this like the Hall for Larson trade? Yeah, except they're both defensemen. Um, yeah, I, I guess you can't really equate it again, like that. I don't think, but I don't think like. I don't think Taylor Hall is a Hall of Famer, but uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess you're, you're, yeah, I mean, just a baffling kind of trade that, again, if it happened in today's society with social media would get absolutely nuked from every corner, including Penguins fans. Um, just, yeah, it just is a bad, it just think of it as a bad trade. It's just not a, a trade to make. It was just not a good trade. Just, Whatever you associate with not a good trade, um, just associate it with that because it's just it was a bad trade. The Penguins got markedly worse from it, and they gave up not just like a guy that maybe could have been good 
a guy that was already good and got better once he left Pittsburgh and had a good season in Pittsburgh, like a great season in Pittsburgh, and they just traded him away. Oh, question number two here from Kim Larson. Uh, if Mike Sullivan would leave Pittsburgh, who would you want to replace him? You can choose any coach in the league. Any coach in the league. I think I don't think there's a coach in the league right now that I would want in Pittsburgh. I think every coach that I'd want is either like currently out of the league or uh, I, I like maybe like a Joel Quenville or something. Actually, I'm going to go totally off the board. I think uh, if I could pick a coach for the Penguins to come in and jumpstart this team, I'm I'm looking at over a thousand games played, won a Stanley Cup in Pittsburgh, and that is Matt Cook. Now Matt Cook is currently coaching in the ECHL. He doesn't have a ton of uh, coaching experience, but I'd be looking if I was gonna like hire a new coach. I'm looking for someone like him, maybe. Uh, Someone who has playing experience, has a history with the Penguins. He's he's like a dirty player, but I mean, suspensions and dirty play aside, he's like got that like grit that I love in a hockey player. And I, w- I think it would translate well as a coach. Um, and maybe look to add Trevor Daly to like not being up top, but behind the bench in some capacity. So uh yeah, scratch the Joel Quenville thing. I'm going Matt Cook with a, a sprinkle of Trevor Daly in some capacity behind the bench. Um, let's see here. Question number three from Kim Larson. What has impressed you in the uh, what has impressed you most in the first couple of weeks, and what have been the most disappointing things? Uh, Evgeny Malkin leading the team in points with uh, four goals, four assists. Brian Rust. Looks to have found his form again. Five goals, no assists so far through six games. Uh, so some of the veteran players who had quote-unquote down years are are perhaps back to where we expect them to be. Uh, the worst thing by far is the power play converting at a 12.5% conversion rate. That's good for 26th in the NHL right now. Uh, I know with all the doom and gloom around Penguins Nation, you would think that the Penguins have the 32nd ranked power play in the league. Uh, but no, they don't. They have the 26th right now. The The Philadelphia Flyers, according to Fox Sports Statistics, have the worst power play conversion percentage shooting and converting at a just 5% rate. So while the power play has struggled, uh, we can take solace as Penguin fans knowing that the cross-state rival Philadelphia Flyers continue to struggle and will likely continue to do so as they continue on with their rebuild. But um, it's, it's, it's hard for me to look at a question like this because I could come on here and say in this microphone that the Penguins suck and the season's over and, uh, you know, let's start packing it in and getting that top 10 draft pick that we would get uh, because the pick that they sent to San Jose is top 10 protected. And I, I could be giving you all sorts of worst case scenario uh, sort of moments and I could be eulogizing the Penguins. I'll leave that to Snail. I think Snail is the the more dramatic of the three of us here, which I that's, you know, he, he brings that to the table, which I love. And I told him that. But. Look, the Penguins are two and four. They're staring two and five, two five and zero oh right in the face tonight. As we record this, uh, they play the Colorado Avalanche later this evening. I'm really not anticipating them to win this game. However, 
the I don't know if it was the last time they played Colorado, but last season I think they were in Colorado. Jeff Carter scored two goals and they upset the Avalanche at home, and I wasn't uh, predicting that then. Uh, you know, maybe something like that. Noel Achari or Matt Nieto, that kind of player, scores two goals and sort of maybe writes the ship, if you can call it writing the ship. There's still many, many issues with this team that uh, are not going to be fixed overnight, but certainly a, a mixed bag in terms of when you're looking at positives and negatives. Question number four, we go back to Robbie here. Uh, this question comes from Kim Larson. I know it's early, but what are your power rankings right now if you had to pick top three best teams in the league and the bottom three teams in the league? So I'm just going to get the top three out of the way pretty quick. I think it's a uh, pretty clear cut at the moment, uh, in my opinion, and it's Vegas, who is 7-0-0, the Boston Bruins, who are 6-0-0, and the Colorado Avalanche, uh, who are right now uh, 6-0-0 as well. They're the only three teams without any sort of loss uh, uh, currently in the in the league. Dallas has no regulation losses, but they have lost a game in overtime. So right now I know it's early, but you got to go with the three teams that have no losses. They've combined um, to play 19 games, and they have 19 wins. Um, so, yeah, Vegas, Boston, Colorado are my top three. Um with Dallas uh, right there and even Detroit at uh, Detroit's right there as well. But uh, the top three, I think are pretty, pretty clear cut at the bottom. Um, San Jose, uh, while Vegas, Boston and uh, Colorado have no losses, the San Jose Sharks currently have played six games. They have zero wins. They do have a single point from an overtime loss. So they have lost all six of their games in some form or fashion. So they are at the very bottom and, uh, Got to go with Chicago. Uh, seven games, uh, only two wins. Uh, again, uh, not great. Uh, not, but again, that's expected. Chicago, not expected to be a great team this year. Uh, they do have Connor Bedard, uh, who is fun to watch. But um, other than that, not much going on there. And then surprisingly, a team that many pick, picked to be uh, maybe in the Stanley Cup final, uh, who is right now dealing with an injury to their superstar, that is the Edmonton Oilers, who have one win in six games, three points. That is the Edmonton Oilers. Um, no McDavid right now as he recovers. Doesn't sound like he'll be out too, too long. But my bottom three are San Jose, Chicago, and Edmonton. Question number five, again from Kim. What player has disappointed you the most here in the first couple weeks? I do not know if this is a Penguin-specific question or if this is an overall NHL question, but my guess is it is a Penguin specific question. I assumed it was a Penguins question. Um, coming into this season, there was a lot of optimism surrounding the Penguins with the Eric Carlson trade and uh, getting uh, acquiring Riley Smith and Kyle Dubas is the new general manager. Um, but there's always a piece of me in the back of my head this whole time that was just ready to get hurt. Um, I think. Uh, I was, I've been hard on Jari, but surprisingly, it's not Jari that I'm disappointed in. Um, I'm going to go with like Drew, Drew O'Connor had such a great camp. Like I thought he was going to hit the ground running and we were going to see that continue. Um, I'm, I'm not mad at Drew O'Connor because I think we've talked about him before. He's like an undrafted, like he's like a Ivy League guy. Didn't come into the league with any, if at like, there was no hype around him. So, um, 
I think Garrett's described him as sort of just a guy, but he's had some glimpse, shown some glimpses, maybe a little bit of disappointment in Drew O'Connor. Um, God, there was com- there was times where I, I was looking at him in training camp and I was like, this guy's going to be in the top six. This guy isn't even a bottom six guy, but um, not a lot from him. And then another guy is like, we they brought in a Chari to add a little bit of piss and vinegar to the, to the bottom six and to play physically. And, uh, I just haven't seen a whole lot of energy from from his line with Nieto and Carter. I think that Carter is holding back that line from producing anything energy-wise. But maybe I'd probably say Achari a little bit too because I was looking maybe to see him mix it up a little bit more and be a little bit harder to play against and uh, have yet to see that. So I'm going to go with uh, Achari and and Drew O'Connor. I don't have one for league-wide. I didn't give that enough time. But Penguins focused Achari and, and Drew. Um, let's see. Question six here from Kim Larson. If you could pick one place for a new NHL team, where would you place it? This is a pretty fun question. Uh, there have been rumblings in recent weeks and months, uh, depending on who you follow on social media. Uh, could Atlanta, could the, the third time's the charm, could Atlanta be, and Sna- Sna- if you're watching on YouTube, Snail gives the thumbs down. Atlanta a possibility? Uh, I know people for years and years have have wanted the quebec city nordiques to be revived uh hamilton ontario is often a hot button city uh i don't know but because of the proximity between toronto and buffalo if hamilton could work i'm assuming because of the population of toronto and the the greater toronto area that if you put a team in hamilton it could probably work. It would be like big brother, little brother kind of thing, but that could create a fun rivalry. Um, in terms of the States, I think the next team to get a team, the next city to get a team is probably Houston, Texas, whether that be the Arizona Coyotes relocate to Houston or by expansion. Uh, I think the NHL has made no secret that that is one of the last big American markets that they have really yet to tap into. You have a built-in rivalry right there between Houston and Dallas. So uh, Houston would be a fun pick for the Western Conference. Kansas City as well. I know Kansas City has an NHL-ready facility, and there were rumors many, many moons ago that the Penguins were going to be relocated to Kansas City at one point. So Kansas City, Houston, and a dark horse candidate, Salt Lake City, Utah, because the, the Penguins, or not the Penguins, the NHL, had been talking, again, the same rumors that were coming out a couple of months ago during the offseason about relocation and expansion, mentioned Salt Lake City. It's a smaller market compared to the likes of Kansas City or Houston or even Hamilton, Ontario. But with the Salt Lake City, I think that's the the uh, Utah Jazz and the NBA, if I'm not mistaken. I don't follow the NBA all that much. I think uh, it's a smaller market, but I think you could get a dedicated, passionate group of fans there in the Western Conference as well. So uh, if I had to pick, uh, the the businessman in me would probably pick Houston to tap into that large metropolitan market, have a built-in rivalry with Dallas, and uh, go from there. Question number seven, Robbie. Kim Larson again, very simple. What are your thoughts about sponsors on the jerseys? It's inevitable. Um, it's not European bad. If you ever watch a European uh, hockey game, uh, you see their jer- jerseys have more ads on than a- anything to actually do with the actual team they're playing for. But I think it was always inevitable, and COVID just 
maybe pushed ahead by two or three years. I think it was an, uh, absolutely coming. Um, the helmets, the jerseys, it was always going to be something. Even practice jerseys were before everything else. Uh, and that wasn't just the NHL. This was uh, leagues all over. NFL, I know, has ads on their practice jerseys. Uh, basketball, NBA has ads on their practice jerseys. Uh, baseball um, is in the same uh, same group. And, again, it was always, it was always going to happen. Uh, European soccer teams have had ads or sponsors on their jerseys for, uh, oh, gosh, decades now. So it's nothing new. Um, to Europeans, but yeah, the NA, or North American sports always kind of uh, held off on it, which is kind of surprising given the um, capitalistic nature of sports in North America, but uh, it was always coming. Um, for the most part, I really don't, I really don't notice it nearly as much as I thought I would. I hate the virtual boards more than I hate the uh, stickers on the helmets or the patches on the jerseys. I think they're the boards are much much more distracting than anything they put on a jersey. I really don't think it sticks out as badly as some people complain about. Again, if you're watching a game on TV, if you if it really bothers you that much, I think you have to be a little bit more honest with yourself. You're honest with yourself. You aren't magnifying in on helmets or jerseys the entire time. At a game, again, it, it all moves so fast. Unless you're sitting right up against the glass, I really don't think it detracts that much from it. But that's just my opinion. Um, just to me, it was always coming. and I kind of had prepared for it mentally and um, it is what it is. Um, but I, I don't, I personally don't mind it as much as uh, some of his detractors do. I think um, they kind of overblow um, how, how much of an issue it is, but uh, yeah, it was always coming and just something we have to all learn to live with if we want to be fans. Question number Eight from Kim. Um, if you could have one last meal, what would you choose? We got a round table this one because I'm curious uh, what you guys have to say. So one last meal, like you're going to die like right after you eat it, I'm assuming. Like this is the last thing you'll eat. Yeah. All right. I think I got I got like two for this because like one's a little bit more like a little more sentimental. I'd throw maybe veganism to the wayside and I'd have like something that my grandma cooked me in my childhood. My grandma uh, lives down in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. Phenomenal. Everything she makes is just like made with love and tastes delicious. It's seasoned perfectly every time. So uh, anything from her, maybe she makes these sopes. I don't know if you know what sopes are. Um, it's a It's a Mexican dish. It's they're delicious. They're essentially like instead of a tortilla, they they use the the corn flour and they make almost like a little dish with it. And then you just kind of load it up with various salsas and beans and whatnot. So probably something like that. But uh, for some reason, the first thing that came to mind was like, dude, I love peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And that might be the most boring thing ever. But like, dude, have you ever I I've perfected it like the the perfect peanut butter and jelly sandwich. It's like that perfect mixture of like sweet and salty. Uh, maybe give it a little toast on each side. Like, dude, I'm a sucker like for for a for a good peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Like that'll set me right. So uh, uh, those are my two answers. And I'm, I'm going to pass it over to uh, uh, Robbie first because we all know Garrett's going to say something egregious with like well done steak. So uh, let's pass it to Robbie. <laughs> uh, um. Oh boy. So like, again, I'd say one thing and then I'd think of something else, but I'm going to say, and I, I think Garrett and I have talked about this uh, in the past. It may have been pre snail, but just a phenomenal top of the line. Great burger. Just 
like like perfectly done like just like an elite burger with elite french fries um i don't know if i'd call burgatory is a really good burger but i feel like they're better burgers that are not like chain restaurants i love a good burgatory burger though so don't get me wrong on that but a kind of make it like made to order whatever you want on it perfectly cooked uh, a nice toasted brioche bun it's gotta be a cheeseburger I, I do like cheese like a nice just slice of american cheddar um the right condiments just cooked to perfection uh, with some fries uh, and then uh, let's see what i want to drink just have a nice crisp coke with it that's all to me that's just it's i know it's a very american meal uh, Garrett and I have talked in the past, like there's nothing on this earth that just beats a good, good burger. Uh, let's see. See, th- so this is going to be the last meal that you ever eat and then you're, you're, you're done forever. So I almost want to, I want to eat so much to, uh, because it doesn't matter if you eat yourself to sickness because you're going to die anyway after it. So, but I want a barbecue chicken pizza. I want a extra large barbecue chicken pizza, a side of French fries, an Italian hoagie, and some root beer. Robbie said that his his uh, his dinner of choice was the most American thing ever, but I want all of those things, and it's I will eat it like a five course meal. I will start with the pizza. I'll go with the fries. Then I'll have the hoagie. I want the root beer. I want all of that, you know, as a spread on the table just for me. And if I get myself sick, then, well, it's not like I'm going to be, if I wake up tomorrow, it's going to be my last day on earth anyway. So if I'm going out, I want to go out eating like a king. And that's, that's what, uh, that's what I would go with. That's what would kill you. They would like come in to find you and they'd be <laughs> like, he's actually yeah. died. And, yeah. and there's not even a crumb left. The food actually is what did him in. <laughs> he yeah. did it himself. We didn't, I didn't have the barbecue chicken pizza is a good, a, a solid choice too. I'm more like if I had to choose between the two, I'm more of a Buffalo chicken pizza person. Um, just because barbecue sauce, it has to be the perfect barbecue sauce for me. Can, barbecue sauce can get too sweet um, uh, for my taste, but. I, I do like yours I, and a good when I, what kind of root beer? Um, see, I don't know. I might be, I might be approaching controversial territory here. Say right? it. Uh, mug. Oh, why? What, what, what were I'm you? I'm actually bark. crushing a root beer right now. I'm a I, barks guy. I see. I don't, I, I'm not a prejudice against one root beer brand or another. Uh, I just, I saw a picture of Mug. One of my friends sent it to me the other day, and I was like, "I really, really want a Mug root beer right now." And I have, I have yet to go to the store and get it. But I like, trust me, it's not like my well done steak take, where you know, I that's the only way that I can eat steak. Now, nah, you give me any root beer, I, uh, A&W, Barks, Mug, I will, yeah, I, I will demolish whatever snail has in his hand. Oh yeah, Zevia, I th- I've heard of that. I've seen it. At I don't know my... if I've ever had Zevia. Um... Is that sugar like a, free? Oh, it's sweetened okay. with stevia. Okay, yeah, I never, um, never had that. I'm like, again, I'm not prejudiced against other. It just if I'm buying root beer now, Barks isn't as widely available in like restaurants and stuff as like a mugger in A and W. Um, I think there's only like, I know that um, Subways carry Barks, and I believe if you get like some of those restaurants with those big like 
Coca-Cola machines that can mix like a thousand different flavors. Yeah. I think Barks is on most of them. But like if you go to a most sit down restaurants and ask for root beer, it's usually A and W or Mug. And I'm not against them. I'm just preferential to the Barks flavor. It has that I mean their catchphrase for a long time with Barks has bite. It just has that little bit of extra um, I don't know what you really want to call it. That's just that's my zing, extra zing. We'll extra zing, yeah. But have you guys ever had that the beer called like not your father's root beer? Yeah, that stuff's phenomenal. I it's so that. good. Yeah, it's like dangerous because it just tastes like you're drinking root beer. But they're uh, like five percent, and if you have a six pack, you'll be dummied. Well, one oh. time we were at a wedding one time, and we were at a uh, um, me and some friends were at a. It was actually a. Um, at a be at at the beach and one of our friends had to leave for the plane early in the like the next day at like seven or six in the morning or something like that and he's just drinking like um, not your father's root beer and he's just like man this root beer is really good and, and he drank like three of them we're like buddy you know that's not he's like i'm not drinking tonight this root beer is really good and we're like buddy you know that's not like just root beer right like that's alcohol and he's like no it's not i'm like Yes, it is. Look at the label. And he's like, oh, well, it tastes just like root beer. I'm like, that's what's the problem with it. It only t- it tastes like you're drinking root beer and you're out here pounding three of them. You need to be up in like six hours. But yeah, it's yeah, it's good, too. The cream soda is good, too. All right. So wait, just quickly, Garrett, what's the what root beer do you like? Uh, Like I said, I'm not partial to one root. beer. Oh, not partial. OK, yeah. never mind. So. I was waiting to hear like a, a conclusion to that, but didn't get it. So we'll move on. Uh, Kim Larson asks, what goal song would you like the Penguins to have? And which team has the best goal song? I'll tell you right now. The Penguins have a top five goal song in the NHL. Party Hard by Andrew WK is phenomenal. Absolutely. You can call me a biased homer. I do not care because of that goal song. A goal song has to do one thing get the crowd up after a goal is scored and just have like 30 seconds of jubilance. It's hard to find a song where you can get a 10 year old and a 70 year old, a man and a woman out of their chair after a goal is scored and they're clapping their hands. They're singing along. You have to have a song like that. Other goal songs. I think Pantera does the Dallas stars goal song, which is that is absolutely phenomenal i absolutely love their goal song uh the boston bruins i don't know what the name of the song is but like if you started playing the beat it would be almost instantly recognizable uh the new york rangers i absolutely hate their goal song uh i i I hate the rangers i hate the chicago blackhawks uh those are both incredibly annoying uh and i think the seattle kraken do lithium by nirvana snail would know better than i do because he's He's been there, but uh, I was looking at a couple of different lists. They say the Kraken, at least according to this list, they play Nirvana as their goal song. They do, in fact. Okay, so uh, you can kind of gauge where my music tastes lie, but I think for a good goal song, you need something up-tempo, something like not too bass-heavy, which is, like I said, hard to do because a 70-year-old is going to have different music tastes than a 10-year-old. And I, that's what I think Party Hard does so well. It has that instantly catchy bump, you know, so 
that's it needs to haunt the other team it needs to like almost like in a way also like rattle the other team like if you get too many of those going pretty soon they're 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 having psychosis like am i hearing oh, this yeah. song again like yeah. that's kind of one i think an important aspect of a goal song as well do you hear the red wings new goal song the the uh is it isn't it slim shady it's like I, a slim shady slim shady song i think you're right i think i remember reading that recently um dude if you're a visitor and getting dummied in a game like that'll get old quick <laughs> so is it I, I, is it lose yourself or is it slim shady it's it's uh will the real slim shady please stand up uh, let me look it up here quickly but yeah now i'm curious the detroit red, red wings have a new goal horn at little caesar's arena it's uh without me by detroit artist eminem okay all right you know i like that for Pant Pantera and Dallas, those two go together. Eminem and Detroit go together really well too. Nirvana and Seattle, I mean, again, those are matches made in heaven. If if you know we wanted to do something Pittsburgh esque, I think Mac Miller. I mean, I don't know Mac Miller's catalog off by heart. I'm I've heard a couple of different Mac Miller songs. If you wanted to go down that route, you know, uh, I I think that would be more than acceptable in my opinion. But again, I, I will stick by my take. Party Hard is a top five goal song in the league. I do not want it changed. When they changed it a couple years ago to jump around, I thought that was pathetic. I thought it was absolutely awful. And then they quickly changed it back due to fan backlash. So they, they made the right choice. And Andrew WK is here to stay. Question 10 from Kim. We'll go back to Robbie here. Do you think Fenway Sports Group will look at the assistants before they look to replace Mike Sullivan? And do you even think FSG would fire Mike Sullivan at all? So I think this is a Kyle Dubas thing uh, more than anything. Um, assistants are probably going to be looked at first, especially with uh, the power play. Uh, will they fire him this early in the season? No. Uh, talk to me again at Thanksgiving. Um I just think that everything that Kyle Dubas said in his, or at many points this summer, all leads me to believe that um, he's not on the hot seat. But again, things can change if things go really bad. Uh, but I would, def if I was in his seat, uh, I would definitely look at uh, the assistance because this is something we've discussed before, and especially when it comes to the power play, um, they're the easiest to change. Um, in a pinch. So yeah, I would look at the assistance um, before that. And I don't know how Kyle Dubas does it. I would think that he would look that way first, but obviously can't say for sure without being inside um, his head. Question number 11, uh, staying with Kim here. How would you rate Tristan Jari start to the season? Um, I mean, this is, it. it's, uh, it's neither a thumbs up nor a thumbs down. I feel like this is just what this is how Jari plays. He's incredibly uh, unorthodox at times and looks like he's swimming in the net, but will make some really great saves. But then he also will give up just the worst timing goal that you could want. And it's always I don't know, I, I don't want to get too much into it, but uh I I would rate him as just like a just average like a five out of ten what whatever scale you want to use it's just been average he hasn't been great but 
I'm not pinning a lot of the blames and the turmoil from this team on Jari at this point. So uh, I'm going to quickly get off the Jari subject before my blood pressure uh, rises. Um, next question is, any idea how face-off times are decided? This season, the Penguins have very few lunchtime starts which makes watching live in the UK almost impossible given we're five hours plus on Eastern US time. Watching highlights only tells half the story. Yeah, this is this comes from Tony Gale, our loyal uh, English listener, which I have to say, I, I, I have to give mad dedication to Penguins fans, mad props who are watching in like Australia. I know there are fan groups in Australia. I know there are fan groups in England who come over here maybe once or twice a season. I have to give mad props to people who are not regularly watching the Penguins in North America because most start times are like 7 p.m. Eastern, which would be like midnight over in the UK. And I, I just think that's absolutely... I can't comprehend that. Even because I watch the Premier League too, the English Premier League basically dictate their schedule is dictated almost by american uh time zones i mean the the, the 7 30 eastern starts in on the east coast would be lunchtime over there and uh it it, it all i don't want to say that north america reigns supreme when it comes to time zones for for all of these sports even with the english premier league but uh, as a North American, and especially on the East Coast, it is incredibly beneficial. So it is hard to watch the Penguins on the uh, in any other of these different time zones. And it's strange, too, because the Penguins are often chosen as a team that is going to participate in those matinee games, which would be 12 Eastern here on the East Coast. Uh, how are the face-off times decided? I mean, for the most part, you're going to see these games start at 7 Eastern, 7.30 Eastern. If they're in a prime time on a big network like NBC or TNT or ESPN, you'll see those games start at 8 Eastern. Uh, that's just the prototypical prime time slot here in North America, especially on the East Coast. So, it uh, again, it, it, I wish I had a better answer for our listeners who are across the pond uh, all I can say is it's mad dedication and mad props to those guys and guys and gals over there uh, in different countries watching their favorite teams because we sort of take it for granted. I know I do on the East Coast and Robbie here as well. Snails on the Pacific Northwest. He's out there. So a 7 p.m. Eastern time is 4 p.m. over there. He can sit down and have a nice dinner snail can and, you know, the game be over around seven o'clock his time. He still has a whole evening ahead of himself for whatever he wants to do. So. I wish I had a better answer for how they are decided, but I guess what I will say, it just comes down to how much of the population is along the eastern seaboard that fits into that eastern time zone. And for the most part, that's how the majority of North American sports times are decided. Question number 13, we go back to Kim Larson here for Robbie. Can you explain, Robbie, why Jeff Carter plays on the second power play line? If it's because he wins face-offs, then Kim thinks Lars Eller can win them too. He has the same win percentage in the face-off circle, and Eller is much more of a mobile player than Carter at this point in his career. Yes, Robbie, please give us this answer. This is this is a great question. Kim, your guess is as good as mine Why as to why Jeff Carter is playing on the second power play unit. I, I don't know. 
They called up Vinny Hinnestrosa today. Uh, my hope originally was that he was going to at least uh, replace Carter for a game, but early indications are Jeff Carter's still going to be in the lineup. I, Yeah, your guess is as good as mine when it comes – and the face-off thing – you you have to have somebody on that second unit that can win a face-off. I mean, I don't care if it's – you just have to have somebody. I mean, you can't tell me that you don't – like Drew O'Connor, who has played center in the past, he can win a face-off. We know Lars Eller exists. Um, it redeems the horn. I, you got to have somebody that can win a face-off and stay on the ice and be at least partially effective on the second power play unit. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, Kim. Uh, you're, you're, it's a good question, but at the same time, um, your guess is as good as mine there. I don't know why we keep banging our heads against the wall, hoping that the Jeff Carter experiment will produce some kind of positive result uh, when nine, 90% of the time it's, it's just a negative. And, yeah, it continues to be frustrating. But overall, uh, no real answer there other than, that's just what they want to do. And they somehow seem to be stuck in, um, in that mindset that he needs to be out there to win the face off when he usually doesn't question number 14 from Tony Gale. Um, from the highlights I've seen so far, the penguins look flat, start well, but then lack the stamina, get caught on the breakaway or a turnover in the neutral zone. Then, uh, then end up conceding. We're only a handful of games in. Will the average age prove to be a major issue here? I mean, father time is undefeated, and it's going to rear its ugly head at times. Like, this is an older team. You have a dinosaur in Jeff Carter taking up a roster spot on the fourth line, which is supposed to provide energy. Like, this bottom six was reconstructed for youth and for energy and jam. I have yet to see it. I agree that they look flat at times. It's so disappointing because with all of the new youth they injected into this lineup and this supposed like competition and training camp for jobs and all that, like where did all of that go? The season is, I know it's early, but like where did all of that just like dissipate to? There is there. They are flat in the bottom. I would, I would argue that the penguins themselves, like the top six has some jump to their game. I feel like uh, Crosby and Malkin's line, Every game they start, they start on time, and those those the, the stars have some jump to them. Um, Rust has looked good. Raquel doesn't have a goal yet, but he's he looks he's he's shooting the puck a lot. It's the bottom six, and it's 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 not an age issue in the bottom six. I think there's one specific penguin with an age issue in the bottom six that we've been noticing for two years now, but it's. It's it's a lack of jam and it's a lack of heart and it drives me nuts. It drives me nuts. I can't. I it, it, something needs to change. I'm pleading. Just show me something different. I don't even care. Just get Carter out of the lineup for once and let's see some of. Henestrosa deserves a chance. I don't. He could have done nothing in the AHL this thus far, and I think he deserves a chance still more so than putting Carter out there for second power play faceoffs and de- defensive draws. I'm I'm over it. I'm super over it. Uh, question number 15 from, uh, I, I think this is a new question asker, uh, Andreas Castle. Uh, Castle says, hi, I'm a listener from Germany. I have two questions for you. Okay, so he's got, this is clearly directed at Garrett. Your favorite Star Wars trilogy, prequel, OT, or sequel? Your thoughts about the German players such as Mo Sider, Tim Stutzla, J.J. Paterka, Philip Grubauer, and Leon Dreisaitl? 
All right. Welcome, Andreas from Germany. Thank you for listening. Uh, let's tackle the German question first, because you, the, the players you mentioned are oozing with talent. Like Leon Dreisaitl would be a number one center on 31 other teams. I mean, you could argue it's the same thing as what Crosby and Malkin have have done over the last almost 20 years with McDavid uh, supplanting Dreisaitl as the team's line one center. But that's, I mean, Dreisaitl is worthy of all of the accolades he's, he receives as well. There are so fortunate up in Edmonton to basically be replicating what Crosby and Malkin have been doing for so many years. So it has not resulted in any championships yet. Uh, hopefully for Edmonton fans, that uh, starts to change. I love Leon Dreisaitl. Tim Stutzla, uh, again, a younger guy, hoping that the Ottawa Senators can build around. Uh, I think he was drafted in the top five, I believe, third overall in the 2020 draft. So. Not a huge sample size, 216 career games, 184 points. Definitely looks like an offensive-minded player, the kind of winger that the Senators were obviously hoping to draft and become a franchise cornerstone. The Senators, we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, were going to be, I think, one of those teams that were going to be on the rise, on the up and up. They may sneak into a playoff spot this year. They may not, but I think they're definitely on that fringe for competing once again, coming out of that rebuild. Mo Sider, a d- defenseman I love watching in Detroit, is the same thing. 171 games played, 99 points in those 171 games played. So he's definitely more of a of a 21st century defenseman. Six foot three, 205. So he's a big body, big tall drink of water, 6'3", 205, but he definitely has an offensive touch to him. Again, another piece on that Detroit defense that you can easily build around, and that's exactly what I think they're doing with Sider. Uh, who else did he mention? J.J. Paterka. Uh, this sample size is a lot smaller compared to some of the other players that were previously mentioned. Paterka was drafted in the second round of the 2020 draft. 86 career games, 14 goals, 34 points. Uh, through seven games so far this season, he only has two goals, two points on his name, and he's a minus one. So Paterka, I just love the name Paterka. I could say Paterka for the rest of the night. Uh, JJ Paterka, again, a lot of these players that Andreas mentions are young pieces that these respective teams are trying to definitely build around. And you could easily see that with really with the exception of Grubauer and Dreisaitl, who have been in the league the longest, uh, Grubauer has resurrected his career almost. Well, he did resurrect his career with Colorado now being in Seattle for the last couple of seasons. Uh, right now, Grubauer starting the season with Seattle, not so hot, four games played, uh, zero wins, four losses, an 896 save percentage of 304 goals against average. So not the hard, hottest start for Philip Grubauer, but all of these German players that Andreas mentions are capable quality starters and a lot of these young guys that these teams are going to be building around for the years to come cider stutzla paterka um all of these guys have tremendous tremendous talent it's going to be fun watching them develop over the next five to ten years uh the other question i saved the star wars question for last because of course i did favorite trilogy uh my favorite trilogy has to be the original trilogy that's what my uncle introduced me to uh, I grew up with the prequel trilogy. I remember seeing uh, Revenge of the Sith in theaters back in, what was that, 05? I think I was six years old at the time, so I have vague memories of that. But my uncle raised me on the original trilogy. I love the sequel trilogy. I do not like episode nine. I think The Last Jedi is the best movie in the sequel trilogy. Um, 
but yeah, I'll say original trilogy because that's basically what I was brought up on. Question number 16, as we go back to Robbie here, question 16 comes from Tony Gale. And now a hockey question from Tony. Rust has started this season like a man with a point to prove. Do you think we could see 30 plus goals from Brian Rust for the first time in his career? I've been riding the the Brian Rust 30 goal train for like four seasons now. He has. Um, It's not even a joke. He has. I am, again, I said it before, I'm a massive Brian Russ homer, um, but he was on pace for 30 the year uh, COVID hit. He was going to blow past 30 uh, that year, and he was on pace for uh, 30 the COVID-shortened year the next year. Um, they only played what, 48 or something, 48 games, something like that, and he was on pace for 30 uh for 30 goals that year and yeah i mean at some point the age is going to catch up and he's not going to be um the goal scorer he was anymore but i i hope just for his sake that he can get to 30 once in his career especially since he's come close so many times and it's always been uh something that kind of popped up that it was like oh sorry ryan russ you do not get 30 goals uh this year i really hope that uh so he can say that he was a 30 goal scorer in the nhl I'm sure he's plenty okay with saying he's a two-time Stanley Cup champion. Um, I anointed him Mr. Game 7 um, after what he did to the Capitals uh, and the, the Lightning uh, those few seasons uh, during the Cup run. But, I mean, he's at five through six games. He's well on pace uh, this year. So, again, is he going to keep scoring at this pace? I mean, if he scores 50 this year, that's fantastic. Heck, man, go score 50. I don't care. Um, but I, I, I'm really hoping that he gets the 30 goal mark this year, just so I can be finally vindicated in my Brian lust, Brian rust, um, <laughs> my Brian rust, um, love. I've been a fan of that guy since he came into the league and I Brian really hope, lust. Oh my yeah, goodness. Yes. A... Yes. I really We're... hope that he finally gets that 30 goal mark because, um, it justifies everything I believe for the past, like seven seasons so let's go brian let's keep it rolling all right wrapping us up here uh tony gale again this one's going to snail uh big z radim zahorna is back in the team and should never have left in my opinion a standout in the blues game i believe he's missing he's the missing piece to fire up the third slash fourth line do you think the introduction of zahorna will put more of a spotlight on how bad carter has been so far you don't need Zahorna to put a spotlight on how bad Jeff Carter has been. And I think that the the fact that they traded this guy, like whatever that was a year ago, two years ago, was a mistake in the first place. This guy's a unicorn. This is like, this guy's what, like 6'5 or something or 6'6? He's massive and he can skate like the wind. He's got hands. He plays with finesse. He just, he's new to the NHL. He's from the Czech Republic or whatever. Like, he needs an opportunity to grow. I think, like I said, he's a unicorn. Like, I don't know why I think why Hextall of all people would get rid of some big centerman like Zahorn in the first place. Uh, I don't know why he's there's there would have been any debate whether he cracks the opening night lineup. He's only getting better. The last few games with him in the lineup, it's noticeable. He's skating with more confidence. He plays with some jam. He's good down low. He's got good. You can tell he's got good vision. He's a he, he's perfect for the third line right now. I don't know if that you put him at center and you bump Eller down or 
there's options there and why they're not exploring more with this like i'd said i'll say it again this unicorn and and radim zahorna i have no clue that another thing that just drives me bonkers um but like Anyway, yeah, you don't need Zahorn in the lineup to put a spotlight on Carter's mishaps and his lack of energy and the fact that he skates super slow out there. I don't know. You you don't need much to highlight that uh, the issue that is Jeff Carter. So um, why he isn't in the lineup, daily, it's just every game or why it's even up for discussion anymore is, is beyond me. So um, I guess that wraps up the uh, the mailbag. We'll, we'll end it there. Uh, God, some of these questions, dude, they just get me like emotional. The the emotion, I think we mentioned this on a previous episode, or maybe we did when we stopped recording, but uh I the the level of emotion and dedication Snail has is something that I had maybe five years ago, but has since since like slowly disintegrated from from it's not to say that I've lost touch with my inner fandom, but um it's just maybe it's because i've become more laid back as as a person and like snail takes these losses personally like someone beat up his grandmother personally and that's the kind of energy we need on the bottom six i'll suit up put me out there have you played even deck hockey before snail no, yeah. All <laughs> I'll right. try the I'll try the Michigan four times and hit someone from behind and get suspended in like thirty seconds. Yeah, yeah well, you know, it's still you you got that energy, and uh, if if uh, Kyle Dubas won't give you a job, well, then you'll always have a job here, being the the energy guy here at the Skating Penguin Network. But uh, that'll do it. As Snail mentioned, that'll wrap up this edition of the Mailbag here for Snail. For Robbie Noggle, I have been Garrett Behanna. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Skating Penguin Network. We will talk to all of you again very soon.